Welcome back to Becoming Next on Scene, everybody. It is your host, Jackie Zook. It is another awesome day for another awesome episode of How to Become Next on Scene in your field of business or in your passion. Before I bring on my amazing guest, I always like to start with a marketing tip to get your week started and a self-care tip to keep your week going. My marketing tip this week is all about visibility and imagery and how we're showing up. And we deep dive more into this on this episode today. But if you are not working on your inner work, it's really hard to show up online to attract your ideal customer, to attract your ideal follower. Um, So if you're not getting the support you need, it's really, really important to explore getting support, whether that's working with a coach, whether that's working with, you know, a family member, a friend, a therapist, whatever it might be, don't feel ashamed of it embrace it because it's going to take you to like your next level self. And it sounds cliche and woo-woo, but it's true. And I think that really ties into self-care. Like don't be ashamed in seeking out support. It can only help you grow and make peace with the past. So that is my marketing and self-care tip of the day. Um, I'm really excited to bring on my amazing guest. We have the fabulous certified holistic health coach and body peace coach, Nina Manelson. She's been in the industry for over 25 years. Um, I'm really excited for all of you to hear her on the show if you haven't before. And if you have, um, we have a great episode coming today with how to navigate holiday eating so that you don't have any regrets. I can't wait for you to listen in. The ups, the downs, and all the in-between. What it takes to become next on scene. Are you next? Follow us at Next On Scene. Welcome back to Becoming Next on Scene, everybody. I am so excited to be back here with the amazing Nina Manelson. She is a certified holistic health coach, been a body peace coach for over 25 years. Today, we are talking all about how to navigate holiday eating so there are no regrets. Right, Nina? Welcome back to the podcast. Thank you so much, Jackie. It's always a pleasure to be with Always you. a pleasure. Always. I, I think this is always. a relevant topic and you are so good at it and so knowledgeable. And I'm really excited for my audience to continue to learn from you. And if they haven't learned from you for, for the first time. So let's first talk about, I think the first holiday that comes up for people is Halloween, right? So yeah. obviously Halloween affects everyone differently depending on where you are in your life, but yep. people still like to go out and enjoy themselves. So yeah. What would you say? Yeah, I'll let you kind of take over from there. So there's one thing we need to sort of zoom out to before we even get into specific holidays, which is the idea of celebratory eating. Because what we do is go, uh oh, Halloween, how are we going to deal with that? Uh oh, Thanksgiving, uh oh, Christmas, Hanukkah, Kwanzaa, uh oh, New Year's, right? Anything, any special day. And one important umbrella concept to wrap ourselves in is the idea that celebratory eating is a thing. We do it. It's normal. It's how we celebrate being with people we care about. It's how we create fun. It's how we create traditions. You know, I often hear from women, how am I not going to eat those cookies, you know, that my aunt makes just once a year, eat them. 
eat them, absolutely eat them, right? They are memories. Food is a way that we express love. It's a way that we express culture. It's a way that we express connection. Celebratory eating is just one of many phases of nutrition. And so it's so important to realize that it's not forever. And that's what the fear is. Uh Uh-oh. I'm going to start with the Halloween candy, then it's going to roll into Thanksgiving, then it's going to roll into Christmas, whatever winter holiday I celebrate, and then it's going to be New Year's. And then, oh, there it is, January 1st, got to be on a diet, right? So there's this fear, like it'll start and it's the slippery slope back into sort of the hell of dieting, which, and I really call it the hell of dieting because it is, it's like a roller coaster that never ends. Oh, now I have to lose weight. Oh, but now I've been bad. Oh, so now I have to go back on a a diet. Oh, now I failed again. Oh, now I feel shame. Oh, now I got to go do on another diet. So we want to just bypass that, right? That's the piece about how to have no regrets. We want to actually skip the whole diet cycle. And so what we want to do is walk into the holidays with this awareness that yes, we're going to celebrate. Okay, so given that we want to celebrate, that we're going to eat special foods, how do we want to play it, right? Do we want to be like, okay, fine, it's the holidays, I'm just going to eat whatever I want and however much I want, and it doesn't matter if it makes me feel bad, and it doesn't matter if it makes me feel sick, who cares, I'm just throwing caution to the wind. Well, we're ditching the baby with the bathwater there. Literally. We still have to show up at the table. (laughs) Right, good point. Right, like we're there. So let's invite ourselves to the table. Oh, it's Halloween, right? And when I say we invite ourselves, it's like how many parts of us actually? For me, if you're going to invite me to the table at Halloween, there's a little kid part that's like, oh, really? So are my favorite little candies from childhood there? Then you're going to get the teenager, right? Who's also coming. Well, you know, when I was a teenager, I grew up in Montreal. So Laura Secord is like a chocolate store in Montreal that I love. And as a teenager, I was really into like this mint chocolate they had, right? So if you're going to invite my teenager, I'm like, oh, any mint chocolate, any mint chocolate, right? If you're going to invite the adult part of me to the table, I'm like, oh, like my chocolate snob is going to show up. Oh, that chocolate's too waxy, right? We actually want to find out who's at the table with us, right? Instead of making this blanket statement of, I'm going to ignore all my inner knowing, right? All the aspects of me, the parts of me that want special things. And I'm going to ignore my actual physical sensation. We don't want that. We want to invite ourselves the way you would invite an honored guest. Ooh, come. What do you want? What's interesting? What would delight you? How do you feel? Oh, you've had enough. Do you want to take some home with you? Right? We want to be in the conversations with ourselves around this. I love one thing that Um, I love so much. I have just have to throw this in. I feel like anytime I have a conversation around eating, I love how you pull out the different parts of you and the different phases of your life because everybody so goes through you know, whatever place they are in, in their lives, but it affected them Mm -hmm. differently, right? Just to your point, like you crave something different when you were a kid versus an adult, like you have different appreciation. I love that. So like, thank you for touching upon that for sure. 
Well, and it's really, it's really important to invite the, those aspects of us to the table. And Halloween often brings up the little kid in many of us. So, so when my kids were little, they had some friends who her, their mother was a chocolate maker, very fine chocolate. So they came over for trick-or-treating down the street. And then they, the four of them, there was two of them and two of my kids. And they sat at the kitchen table and they laid out all the candy. And we decided we would have chocolate tasting. Now, these kids had a seriously refined palate. They grew up in a house where like the chocolate is like, you know, just the most beautiful deluxe chocolate ever. So we laid every, first of all, we tossed candy that looked basically like plastic, which is, I believe in eating things that are actually are food and not mostly plastic. Mm-hmm. Um, and on Halloween, you get some plastic food. So I'm like, okay, let's, they were like, they, there was no argument. They were like, how do people eat this? I was like, and I pulled out another piece of um, like plastic type candy that I had gotten five years earlier. And I said, do you notice how this hasn't rotted at all? They were like, that's amazing. I still have it. It hasn't changed one bit. So if there's a piece of food that never, never rots, there is something wrong with that piece. Right. Of food. So we were going for foods that were actually like on the perishable end of life. So we laid them all out. We made a chart and everybody would have, and we cut them all into small pieces and everybody had a bite and rated them. It was fascinating to watch the kids do this. Part of it was fun because it, these kids were real chocolate experts and they'd be like, this chocolate is too waxy. This doesn't taste like chocolate. I don't think there's any chocolate in this. This just tastes like you know, just straight up sugar. Like they were curious, but there's so much to learn from that. It wasn't like, oh, the waxy chocolate. If I eat the waxy chocolate, I am a bad human being. No, it was, do I like the waxy chocolate, right? Do I like the high cacao content, very intense, bitter chocolate? Do I like the milky chocolate? And there are four kids there. They had very different palates. Mm-hmm. But what we want is we want to invite that taste tester to the table on all holidays. And Halloween's such a good one to talk about because it's so like candy focused and there's all these different treats and they're all such different colors. And so the stimulation around eating is really heightened. But that's true at the Thanksgiving table when your relatives are talking a mile a minute and there's everybody's brought a pie and there's five different main courses, right? There's a lot of stimulation. There's a lot of different possibilities. We want to bring our taste tester. Hmm. Let me try it. Do I like it? Huh? What's the texture? Would I want another bite of that? We want to bring curiosity. Mm-hmm. Right. And that's different than what we were just talking about a minute ago, which is leave ourselves at the door, whatever. It's going to go to hell in a handbasket. So I'm just going to eat anything. I'm just going to ditch myself. No, no. Let's actually engage in a very like curious relationship with ourselves, with how we feel in our body and with our food. So good. And I think like the work that you do too, like once you're open to the curiosity, like that's when you can really start to make the changes, right? Like, would you agree with that? A hundred percent. Because what the curiosity does is it opens the door to awareness, right? When we're in awareness, a lot of things we can become aware. Oh, wow. I'm critical to myself all the time. Mm -hmm. Ouch. That hurts. Or we can become aware of, oh, you know, 
when I go too long without eating, I end up eating all the cookies. Huh. I wonder what would happen if I actually ate lunch instead of skipping it. What might happen at two o'clock instead, right? So many women that I work with are like, I don't understand why I'm eating so much between like four and six before dinner. And then I'm like, let's talk about how much you've eaten earlier in the day. And often when women are feeling like they're eating too much, they're actually not eating enough. Mm -hmm. I believe that. I mean, I've been there for sure. I can really, yeah. yeah. Skipping meals. Yeah, for sure. I, I just think everything you're saying is so relevant. And I also think another thing too, is like when people show up to the table, another thing that holidays bring is stress because you see people you don't see all the time, you know, like you get all these nerves of like, am I bringing the right thing? What do I wear? Like all these questions, right? So what advice do you have for the people that are going to these holidays with people they don't see very often and tend to do overeat or not eat at all? I mean, I'm sure you see extremes, right? Yeah, both, both extremes. So one is to be aware, this is a challenging situation I'm walking into. And how do I want to play it, right? If this is going to be a situation where there's a lot of stimulation in terms of what people say, how people act, how I end up getting triggered, what's going to be most supportive to me? Do I need to be the person who goes, you know what, I'm going to get out for a little breath of fresh air. And you do that every half hour. Do you need to be the person who says, anybody want to come for a walk with me? Or you ask that favorite person who you actually want to talk to, can we take a break in the middle and go for a walk? Do you want to be me the, to be that person who says, you know what, I'm going to just breathe before every bite because, wow, this is so much going on. I, it's really hard for me to stay connected to myself. Mm-hmm. It's important to go, what would support me to feel connected to myself? Because those stressful situations take us not only outside of ourselves, but into a state of stress, into a state of fight or flight, right? So we have two nervous system branches in our body, sympathetic and parasympathetic. Sympathetic is fight or flight, right? That's I'm being chased by a tiger or I'm sitting at Thanksgiving with my entire family and everybody's brought a pie and they're saying, you have to try mine, right? That's fight or flight. Then there's parasympathetic, right? That's I'm relaxed, I'm chilled, there's no pressure, everything's good. Now, the tricky thing is that in sympathetic, which is not so sympathetic, that's how I remember it. It's the stress response. Digestion is not at peak performance because when we're being chased by a tiger, our digestion should not be online. Our energy goes towards our arms and legs to run for safety. So digestion is not online. Pleasure is not really online, right? So we're in this state of, and we're hardly breathing. So a bunch of things happen there. One, we don't enjoy ourselves very much because pleasure is not online. And two, what often happens is people eat until so much so that it triggers the system into parasympathetic, into that relaxation mode, right? I'm so full. I just can't move. I'm just lying on the sofa watching the game and I feel comatose, right? Our biology is literally triggered into that 
relaxed mode because we've eaten so much. Our body goes, oh my gosh, there's really some food in here. We better get out of stress mode and start to digest something here. Mm -hmm. So we can go into parasympathetic that way. Or sometimes what happens is it just feels like lead balloon in our belly because we're still in stress and our body doesn't shift. Mm -hmm. So what we want to do is go, okay, when I'm walking in, I'm just not going walking in and dealing with all my relatives. I'm actually walking in and have to support my nervous system. And how do I want to do that? I love it. I was, so this topic has come up in numerous conversations I've had recently about the importance of like staying in your lane. Right. So like if you stay in your lane, nobody else will affect you the same way. Right. So focus on your nervous system, like stay in your lane and like screw everybody else, you know, like literally that's that's (laughs) what it comes down to. (laughs) Well, and it's tricky too, because for women, we are not used to staying in our lane. We've been trained to reach into somebody else's lane to support them. Right. To reach out of ourselves and go into giving mode. So that stay in your lane is really like, wait, come back to self. Mm-hmm. Be mindful of where you are is very important and easier said than done. 100%. Because women in our culture, right? When I ask a lot of women, how are you? They start telling me how their kids are. Mm-hmm. So we lose touch with our own self. Right. And body peace is about, oh, I'm having a relationship with myself, my body. And that's what's going to let us navigate these more stimulating environments that make it harder to focus in on our own body. Right. Great advice. I have another like topic I kind of want to go into for the yeah. busy the person that works all the time, right? Because I feel like we can relate to that. And I feel like a lot of people that listen can relate to that. And I think it's more of like, you don't make the time to eat. You don't make the time to sit at the table. And like, I mean, you did a whole video on that. I loved it. Like, we just don't make the time. We don't prioritize ourselves, right? So like, what advice do you have for the busy woman that just does not prioritize the time to even like take a snack bar on the go or whatever that might be? So it's interesting because one of the things that as I was growing my business and my kids were little and there was a lot of buzz, the buzzword was balance, work-life balance. I honestly don't believe in that at all because as women, as people who, you know, have kids or have parents they're taking care of or have a big job, there's a lot going on. And then the onus is on us to like step away and go to a spa or take a moment. And all that stuff is very important. But I think that more powerful than looking for that, like, okay, I have to have that work-life balance and I'm not doing it right because I don't have that work-life balance, is where the heck is our support? I'm a believer of tossing the balance conversation and bringing in the support conversation. Where is their support for me? What kind of support do I need at home, in my business, with taking care of myself around food, right? We need other people to put wind in our sails. So we're not always, oh my gosh, I know so much about food. I know what I should be eating. I'm just not doing it. And then we feel bad about ourselves. 
So what kind of support do we need, right? What I do is help women navigate the relationship that they're having with food so that they can feel more relaxed so that they can add it in. But some people might be like, no, that's not really my issue. My issue isn't figuring out what to eat. My issue is that it exists, right? Or my my issue isn't, you know, listening to my body. I'm really good at listening to my body. I just need food to show up. Well, in this day and age, that exists too. We've got lots of services that will make food show up. But you may need support to figure out what's the kind of support that works for you, which is a funny thing to say that often we need support to figure out what kind of support we need. But that's the reality. It is the reality. It's such a good point. And I think there is a stigma. There is a stigma that women are forced to figure it out on their own. Whether we are more open to it or not, I feel like it's just been known since the beginning of time that like support, you'll figure it out, right? Like that's just what people have known. But it's, it's amazing when you realize that you are curious and open to it, like how much of a change it can make for you, you know? Yeah. So that's why your work is so important. So that's why I'm just glad we're talking about this today. <laughs> is that to say? Yes, no problem. So in terms of, okay, so now let's bring it back to marketing, right? Because this, this podcast and I am a marketer by trade. So like, if you're not feeling good within, how can you show up confidently, right? So that's the, like your post today was all about like a car, the analogy of like working your car and how to make it there are things you have to fix and upkeep it. Like how do you relate it to your body, right? So can you talk about like, if you don't focus and prioritize your inner work, that absolutely affects your outer work, right? So one of the things I see a lot in women is the hiding. And I mean that literally, hiding in pictures at the back of the family Mm -hmm. because there's shame around their body not going to network with people because I don't have the right clothes, not putting themselves on video because I don't look the way I want to look, right? So literally women are hiding their brilliance because of body image. Fundamentally, I don't feel good about my body. I feel shame about my body. So I'm going to hide. And that's a problem because we're not just hiding our bodies. We're hiding our brilliance, Mm -hmm. right? And when you look around, this is very important to look around at men. Are they hiding because of the fact that they have a certain body or certain hair or certain look to them? No, they're just putting themselves out there because they're themselves. And also there's less expectation and judgment about how they look, right? Women, there's such a cultural push and expectation and high standard and small definition of what beauty is for women. And that's not true for men. And claiming our relationship with our body, owning our own brand of beauty, which doesn't look like anyone else, is so important because what it does is says, you know what? I can be visible. This is me and I own it fully. And when we show up in the world, then the the world goes, oh, look, look. Oh, I didn't know you were doing that. Cool. 
Let's work together. Let's do something. Let's create whatever it is that is your brand of brilliance. Mm-hmm. And honestly, this week, especially, I think I need to like write a poem about it or write a, an article about it or something. This week, several women have said, I could have cured cancer with all the energy that I've spent on dieting, energy and money on dieting and feeling bad about myself and starting again. Somebody else said I could have fed a a village in Africa with all the money that I have spent, all the time and energy I've spent feeling bad about myself and going on the next diet, right? So the food obsession, the body shame is a energy drain, but not just like, oh, I'm tired. No, of the energy that we need to do what we need to do in this world. Mm-hmm. Right? I, I do what I, I do. Just have to, we have to touch upon this because we talked about this the other day. But when you went to the concert, the woman, the first thing she talked about was her oh my gosh. that Because that was like really amazing. Yes. Oh, my gosh. So I went to this phenomenal jazz concert. Uh, Melody Gardot. Incredible. Grammy Award winning phenomenal jazz singer, like blew my mind with her voice. But the first thing she did after her opening number was apologize for her body. Now, this woman, just so you know, fits into that tiny definition of beauty that that Hollywood says is beautiful. She fits into that tiny box of tall and slim and blonde and all the stereotypical idealized beauty ideals. That's her. And she got on stage and said, wow, since COVID, I've gained weight. My belly is taking up more space and not paying rent. And she said it as though that was funny and people would relate. There was this awkward laugh in the audience and then she said, well, I have to I have to sling the mud first because I won't be so hurt if someone else does, right? What she was saying is, I am ashamed of my body. What she was saying is, I am a little bit embarrassed to be taking up the space on this stage that you all paid for, to come see me on. And she's in the middle of a world tour. People are literally throwing money at her for her to take up her space and her power on stage. And what does she do? apologize for taking up the space. That is not how we want to be. And what was so astounding about her, it was like the two polarities. Here's someone in their true power, taking up their space, being brilliant, and at the same time, diminishing their power. We do not want to diminish. The world needs Melody Gardot's. The world needs us to be our full self. And diminishing ourselves and hiding ourselves and apologizing for ourselves is not what is useful, helpful, supportive to anybody, anybody, most especially you. Right. When you told me that, I was so mind blown. Like, But it goes to show, too, the stigma of being in that world. There's so much judgment around how you look. Oh, my gosh. How you dress how you present yourself, all of it. Absolutely. But it's not just the show business world. Absolutely. Now that we're all visible, we're all kind of in show business, Mm -hmm. right? Not show business in terms of entertaining, but we are visible, right? It used to be you could 
you know, sit behind your written word, but that's not possible anymore. Right. right. Even radio casters are now doing video. Um, video. So true. Right. So true. So, but to your point though, social mm-hmm. media now is a media platform. It is. is. So it is show it is show business at some capacity. Now like YouTube is like the second biggest search engine that's out there. Right. Yeah. So it's like it's unbelievable if you think about that in, in retrospect. Absolutely. Right. When people want to know what I do, they may they may have gotten my name from somebody who's worked for me. Right. They have gotten a referral. Great. But how are they going to learn who I am? Mm-hmm. They're going to go on Instagram. They're going to go on YouTube. They're going to go on Facebook. Who is she? What's she really like? Do I relate? And if we're hiding, well, they're not going to figure out who you are. Right. So and I don't have to be somebody that everybody likes. Right. I just have to be myself. Mm-hmm. Right. That's a, takes us right back to being in our body. You don't have to have the, the body that Melody Gardot has. You don't have to have the body that are that Hollywood or, you know, the Instagram fitness influencer has. You get to have your body. But if you take that space up with a sense of ownership, the right people will get you. Because you're being you. Right. And you can't please everyone. If you please everyone, you're never going to grow. <laughs> you're never going to be able to make, you're no. never going to do anything. Like how unhappy is that person trying to please everyone, right? But Jackie, what you're saying is so important because we got that message growing up was to please everybody, to make everybody happy, right? And so to be, to really say that, like we can't please everybody. That is not our job. Mm-hmm is so important. And it comes back actually to holiday eating, right? We go into, oh, let me eat that because, you know, aunt so-and-so made it and she'll be really offended if I don't. Let me please them. I'm going to override my body to please aunt so-and-so. Oh, and now we're, you know, at a the winter holiday meal and so-and-so made their special thing and I'm really full and I'd really like to ask for it to to just take a slice home with me, but you know, oh gosh, will that be offensive? I don't want to hurt anybody's feeling. I want to please them. So I'll just take a bite. I'll just eat it here because I can't ask for what I want. No, don't please them. Please yourself. And I don't mean that in a way to be narcissistic and completely self-centered. I know that women are great givers. Mm-hmm. For the most part, we are very sensitive. There of course are people who are completely narcissistic and, you know, and self-centered to the point of hurtful, but mostly women are trained into empathy, connection, serving others. And often we need to bring that back home to ourselves. So good. And also to do close out too with that, like that's just setting the boundary, right? You can do it when you yes. want to do it, but just set the healthy boundary that you don't feel like you have to do it every single time. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. So important. Nina, you're amazing. I also want to, before we close out to, I want to talk about your practicing body peace journal, right? So that's like your free offer. Can you just summarize that a little bit for us? Yes. So one of the tenants, the foundational pieces of body peace work is that we're having a relationship with our body. And often we don't think of it that way. So practicing body peace journal has 20 questions in it 
that really get you into like, how is this relationship going? And it's a great thing to start asking yourself and start exploring as you step into the holidays, because all those holidays pull you out of relationship with yourself. So practicing body peace, it has five of my body poems in it. And next to the poems are questions that will invite you deeper and deeper into this relationship with self so that your body can be the one that guides you at the table, not your head. What should I do? What shouldn't I do? But what do I need? What do I feel? How full am I? How hungry am I? What do I enjoy? Right? We want to be embodied. We want to be in our body and letting our body be our wisest teacher. So good. And everybody can get that at ninamanelson.com, right? Yes. And or Body Peace with Nina. It'll take you to the same place. It's just easier to spell. Love it. And everybody can follow Nina on all social media channels at Nina Mandelson. And Nina, you are amazing. Thank you again so much for joining us today. Thank, thank you, Jackie. Thank you. Thank you course. And thank you so much, everyone, for tuning in to Becoming Next on Scene. And stay tuned for who's next on Scene. The ups, the downs, and all the in-between. What it takes to become next on Scene. Are you next? Follow us at Next on Scene.